0: I've got a title slide up there for today. Um, and again, it's in the, the Battle Ready series. Yeah, there it is. And I want to, what I want to talk about today is what are we fighting for? I guess um, a lot of what we've been talking about is generally about what you might be fighting for in your own life in terms of the trials, tribulations, and the things... Um, that you might face in your life and praise the lord the lord has given us some great instruction and wisdom and encouragement just to trust him and he he will help us he will guide us and he'll strengthen us and i guess for us um the question we really want to or I want to talk about today is well what are we at, we fighting for so what are we actually fighting for what is what has christ commissioned us to fight for um so we're going to look at some scriptures today um, I'm going to take you to Matthew chapter 11 to start. Um, just in terms of that, I guess some of these thoughts have been inspired by a question I was asked by uh, a sister in the Lord. I was having a um, a conversation with her about some scriptures and she asked me what this meant. And uh, we're going to t- look at this in a second. And I guess also this week is, is Anzac week. And uh, it's a pretty cool time. I I'm, As you guys know, I'm a big fan of... of um, yeah, Anzac Day means a lot to me. A lot of us have got family that fought in world wars and, and those sorts of things. And I guess at this time we're we're kind of challenged to think about what these men and women fought for. And we hear these stories of how they fought for today's society, the freedom that we that we have in our life, that they fought for the standard of living and, and all those sorts of things. And some of that's really quite um, motivating and quite yeah, really good really good stuff. And it was interesting that um, I just want to pick on one thing today, and I don't want to get into the, I guess, into too much of the nuts and bolts of it. And then we've got this other battle that's being fought out in the press at the moment, and it's the world versus Israel. Falou, and we've got a guy who came out and quoted a scripture to an answer that to a question that he was given about homosexuality, and he quoted a scripture, and now he's being persecuted if you like if I can use that term because he believes that the word says that there's a whole number of lifestyles that aren't acceptable to God and if someone wants to come to God they need to repent of those lifestyles and follow God's right way and of course the world is interpreted that as all homosexuals are going to hell Um, I would probably debate that and say the question is how does one that is walking contrary to the Lord how do they get into heaven Maybe that's the better question to actually ask. And um, so the world's attacking that, and it's all become very personal about one man. And in actual fact, it's the world actually saying, we don't want the word of God. It's actually attack against Jesus Christ himself. Um, and we see this man, he's he stood up, and he's, he's, um, I've, I read something that he wrote, and he said, oh, I'm prepared. Rugby's a game. It's rubbish. Um, I will walk away from that game to stand up for my beliefs and I'm not here to 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 say who's right and who's wrong but I know what the bible says and I guess there's this this fight in the world and um there is going to be a fight and it's going to come to us and I guess our encouragement today is we know what we are fighting for and if we're in any doubt of what we're fighting for then our encouragement is is to find out and uh, in this scripture here, I'm just going to read it here in uh, Matthew 11, verse 11. Uh, it says to us, oh, We'll start from there. It says, Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there is not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Notwithstanding, he is the least in the kingdom of heaven, um, is greater than he. So we know here's a man here, John the Baptist, who had this wonderful calling to prepare the way for the Messiah. So he had to, uh, I guess, um, um, raise a banner in the world about what Christ was actually coming to bring, and we can read that ourselves. And at this time, uh, uh, John the Baptist is actually in prison, and it's a few days before his eventual um, death or martyrdom, if you like. And in verse 12, it says, And from the days, this is Jesus speaking, And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. And the violent take it by force. So this was the scripture that someone asked me, what does what that actually, what does that mean? And I thought, oh, well, what does that mean? <laughs> oh, have you got some extra reading on that so that I could uh, go away and work out what that means? I was like, oh, okay, let me just, just give me a second. I better just have some prayer and, and actually have a look and see what this meant. And I guess when you look at it in context here, uh, John the Baptist, he's been, he's, he's now in, in prison and he's not far away from being beheaded. And uh, it was a pretty nasty time. The gospel of, of, of the kingdom was now being preached, as we read there in verse at the start of verse 12, that the New Testament was being brought in. The word of life was being presented to the world. And it says there, And since that time, the kingdom has suffered violence. And the word violent, you can get into the Greek, and I don't really like too much getting into all the Greek and that because it's actually written in English, so we can read it and we know what it means. But in actual fact here, um, the word violent can mean taken by forth or, or, or stealing or, or taking it, not, it's not what's rightfully yours. So it's saying here that it's suffering this time where men are trying to take the kingdom in their own way, not the way that John the Baptist said it would come and not the way that Christ said, this is how you take the kingdom. So what it signifies is that in the kingdom of God is going to be under attack from the world. And Jesus here, you could probably argue, argue he's, he's particularly lever, lever leveraging this at, or leveling it at the religious leaders of the day and saying, you guys are trying to take this unauthorized. You're trying to enter in the way that is not the right way. Um, And so I guess the thought here for us is is that the kingdom of God is still under attack. People don't want to say who's going to get in, who's going to get out. But the Bible is very clear about how you enter into the kingdom of God. John 3, 3 to 5. Unless you're born of the water and of the spirit, you cannot see, enter, understand what the kingdom even is. And this world just grapples with it. So we see the situation out here um, with, with uh, you know media slash society versus Israel Folau. We see it is the kingdom of God that's under attack. It's not Israel Folau. It's not him. It's the word of God that's under attack. It's the way you enter into the kingdom. It's what the kingdom stands for. It's what Jesus Christ fought for and died for that is under attack. And the world is saying, we just want everyone to. We want to accept everyone except those that quote the word of God. That's what they're telling us. That's the fight that we are now in. So um, with that kind of uh, pretext, I want to talk a little bit about now about what we are fighting for. Let's turn to Proverbs chapter 11. Proverbs chapter eleven, and I guess um, you know sometimes if you ever want to see where society's heading or what society holds as being truth, go and visit a classroom at school. Go and see what the kids are being taught, because that's that's really society is is trying to shape them, because they believe that's their job, and uh, you can see some pretty horrifying things in the school system, in terms of belief and moralistic judgments and the like and proverbs 11 verse 30 it says to us by the blessing oh that's not it 11 verse 30 oh somewhere else 30 Here it is: the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life and he that wins souls is wise so the proverb here is telling us the wisdom for us is he that wins souls is wise folks what are we fighting for We are in the battle for the souls of mankind, the souls of men and women. That is what we're fighting for. Yes, we might be in the midst of our own personal battle, but that's not the war that's being waged. That is not what we have been called to fight for. We have been called to fight for the gospel, the good news, to win the souls of men and women. That is what we are fighting for. That is the big picture. That is what um, we strive for now. And we just, you know, straight away floods into probably your mind and mine of all that Jesus said. Go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That is what you are fighting for. And I guess a lot of what we've been talking about in the Battle Ready series is that but God is with us. So when we go out and we fight for his purpose, for the souls of men and women, he's with us. And he will demonstrate his power with us through signs, wonders, miracles. We'll be strengthened and instructed by the wisdom of his, of his word. But everything we read is leading us to one point, And that is to preach the gospel. To fight for the salvation of others. As someone fought for you. You think about this you know you think about your testimony and how you heard the word and how the person who brought the word to you the battles that they must have fought in their own mind and in their own heart just to open their mouth to talk the truth to you their own doubt their own confidence levels and so on and so on and so on it's not me i don't do that oh you can imagine the things that that went round, and i think of my own testimony the family that witnessed or the or the man that witnessed to my father, he was threatened by my father. He said, If you come around here again and you preach that gospel, I'm gonna knock your block off. That was his challenge. So that would have been easier to go, you know what? He's a big bloke, this guy, and he probably could take my head off. I'm not I'll just leave it at that. I'll be a good neighbour. Thank you. I'm out. But guess what? He was at our door the next day talking about what? The gospel at the risk of having his block knocked off. (laughs) Whatever that means, (laughs) you know, and that is the battle that we're in now. There's so much in our lives and in the world that's telling us don't say a thing. Keep quiet. Just you just do what you do in your closet. Don't come out here and talk to us. But the Lord is telling us and he's questioning and he's saying to us, what are you fighting for? Are you prepared to fight? That is that is, uh, um, that is our purpose. Uh, let's just go. I'm just going to, we're in the Old Testament. So let's just look at a couple of things. Jeremiah 1, chapter 1. We look at Jeremiah. I'm not going to go through his whole story. We know about him. And most of us can relate to the dude because he's like, not me, Lord. I'm hopeless. You've chosen the wrong dude. I can hardly talk. I'm, you know, I'm just going to be quiet and I'm not going to say anything. And then, of course, he says, but the spirit that's within inside me, I couldn't shut it up. It came out. And that's very much the position we find ourselves in. And in verse uh, uh, Jeremiah 1 verse 18, it says, for behold, I have made thee this day a defensed city. I know, let's go back, 17, sorry. It says, Thou therefore gird up thy loins, I like that, and arise, and speak unto them all that I command thee. Be not dismayed at their faces, lest I confound thee before them. So the prophet is saying, We gotta preach to the ones who are reaching out. You know, you might have. That's what he's saying. And then it goes on in verse 18 and says, "For behold, I have made thee this day a defence city, and an iron pillar, and brazen walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, against the princes thereof, against the priests thereof, and against the people of the land. All of those that will come against Jesus Christ." society, the governments, um, the judicial system, um, the religious system, all of these things that will come against Jesus Christ, God is telling us here that he will defend us and he is with us, but he's called us to say something and do something. And it says, and they shall fight against thee, but they shall not prevail against thee, for I am with thee, says the Lord, to deliver thee. That's the confidence we have now is we can go out in the name of the Lord and we can say the same thing as the Lord and we can expect a battle royale. You know, the world is going to come against what you say. There's no doubt about that because they came against Jesus Christ and if we're saying the same things in a sense we should expect the same things from the world. We should expect people to reject it and we should also expect people to love it because the scriptures tell us that my sheep will hear my voice and if we go out and say the same things as Christ guess what the sheep will come they will be drawn to the voice um, of of our saviour. Ezekiel 3 well again we're kind of in the neighbourhood so it made sense to stop on by on our way back through to the new Ezekiel 3, most of you probably know this fairly well, 3 verse 16, again, the Lord speaking through the prophet again, it says, and it came to pass at the end of the seven days that the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, I have made thee a watchman into the house of Israel, therefore hear the word at my mouth and give them warning from me. Again, it's this charge to be purposed about the winning of souls. That's really what it's saying for us. When I say unto the wicked, you shall surely die, and you givest him not warning, nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life, the same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, and his blood I will require at thine hand. It kind of says to me, we've got a responsibility. We have a responsibility to go out and save men and women of this world. To go out and speak the words of life. And in this context, to warn them. To warn them and say, the question is, how do you get yourself right with God? Not the other way around. God doesn't have to get himself right with this world. It's the other way around. And now we're, we've we been charged to do that. And it says, yet if you warn the wicked, and he turn not from his wicked way, nor from his wicked from his wickedness nor his wicked way. He shall die in his iniquity, but you've delivered your soul. You've done what's been required of you. Again, when a righteous man does not turn from his righteousness and commit iniquity, and I lay a stumbling block before him, he shall die. Because thou hast not given him warning, he shall die in his sin, and his righteousness which he has done shall not be remembered, but his blood will I require at thine hand. So it's not just saying our responsibility is outside the defence city, but it's also inside. That if we see our brothers and sisters in fault, we have a responsibility to go to them. And the Bible tells us how to do that in meekness, wanting to have compassion on their situation and say, that's the wrong path. That's not the right way. And we have a mechanism inside the church. If you aren't feeling confident, then you bring it to your oversight. Let us deal with it. Because the bottom line is, we are fighting for the souls of men and women, whether they're sitting in these seats or standing up here or they're out there. This is what we're fighting for. And it goes on and says the opposite of verse 20, and you can read that for yourself. So I wanted to, I wanted to throw some things out there just as little, little, little teasers. Is our fellowship worth fighting for? question mark is God's doctrine worth fighting for is his salvation message worth fighting for is the truth that Christ has risen is that worth fighting for and they're the questions is your brothers and sisters are they worth fighting for is your neighbor is he worth fighting for and the word fight I guess is in terms of practical application for us, is sometimes we've got to fight ourselves. We've got to bring our body and our mind into subjection. We've got to bring it under control and say, No, actually, I have a responsibility out of love to tell them about the gospel, because that is my purpose. I think sometimes, and I can only speak from my own experience, growing up in the fellowship, you, you have a wonderful life. You have a wonderful testimony and you're well looked after. And you can trick yourself, as I did, into thinking that the purpose that God saved me is to have a good life and then go and wait for him in the grave. That's not what Christ saved me for or you. He saved us for a purpose. And that is to preach the gospel. Because it not only saves those who hear it, but it saves those who tell it. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. And is it worth fighting for? You bet it is. We're going to look a little bit about about some of the dudes that fought for it. Oh, Matthew 4. Matthew 4. Matthew 4 and verse 17. It says, From that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee... Oh, no, where did I go? What What have I done? Oh, no, yes, yes. Okay, so he came out and he said, Repent, you need to change your way, for the kingdom of heaven." Govan- Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. (laughs) That was better. (laughs) He's saying, what you're doing now is not what's going to get you into the kingdom. You can be as violent as you want. You can try and take it however way you want, but it's not going to get you into the kingdom. And then it goes on, and and a whole lot of things happen, um, including... Oh, maybe that's why I didn't do it. And Jesus in verse eighteen, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon and Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting their nets into the sea, for they were fishers. And he said unto me, said unto them and me, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And straight away they put down their nets and they followed him. Their purpose was redirected, as ours is. Our purpose now is not to be fishing, although that's quite fun, and it is good fun. But the Lord is saying, no, what you think your vocation is in this life, that's not your true identity. The Superman moment. You have been called to be fishers of men. Not a doctor, candlestick maker or a baker or a fisherman. Those are just things to bide time and to give us opportunities to preach the gospel. Our purpose and what we are fighting for now is for the souls and the salvation of men and women. And it goes on in verse, And, we'll, and it's, you know, we probably know that quite well. And it says in verse 23, And Jesus went about Galilee teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. This is actually the fight. This is the fight. Jesus is out there, front line, talking about the gospel. And what is the fruit of it? People are being healed. People are coming to know what the kingdom is all about. And it says, And his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with different diseases and torments, and those which were possessed with devils and with lunatics and those that had the palsy. And he healed them. That is what we want. We want people to know what we're fighting for so much that they come to us. That they come to us because they know the Lord is with us. Not because we've got anything special. Not because we can perform it. But because they know and they can see who we're fighting for and with. And this is the battle. This is the purpose of the gospel going out. That we might see these things happen. Praise the Lord. Jude, chapter one. Jude one. Well, Jude. Yeah, he needs one. It's so good. It's just one chapter is all he needed. He's the guy that gets up and gives a three-minute testimony. You know, that's like a mythical testimony, the three-minute testimony. This is Jude. He just nailed it. Boom, one chapter. That's all I need. Okay, maybe not, but that it sounds good. Okay. Okay. Um, Jude, Uh, where will we start here? In verse 3, it says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. So there's two, two little things that I just want to pull out of this. The first one is... The faith which was once delivered to the saints. People have gone before us. We're part of a great legacy. A great legacy of men and women of faith. Who have laid down their lives. Have laid down their pride. That the gospel might be preached. And we are in the position we are in today. Because they knew what they were fighting for. And they fought for it. And guess what? They fought for you. They fought for you, that they, that you might be in this position. And it goes back there and he says, It's needful for me to write and encourage you that you earnestly contend for the faith. We have been called to contend, to battle this world, to make sense of it all. Not in our own thoughts, in our own ways. We know that. We, we understand that. But to understand what the faith actually means so the first thing for us is that we need to know what it is and praise the Lord the Lord enlightens us when we receive the Holy Spirit but the Lord wants us to continue to build so that we are able not only to go out and fight in the context of preaching the gospel but that we can defend it because if you are in the midst of battle I was thinking about this the other day is that if you're a soldier, and let's think, let's say you're a Roman soldier, and you're going out to fight, and you've got a sword and a shield, and you go out to fight someone, and you're the best attacker out, you're like the greatest dude with a sword. You're really good at attack, but your defence is pretty shoddy. You're in a bit of strife. Doesn't matter how good you are at attack, you're going to have to defend it sometimes. So your life's on the line, or you can be the greatest defender. But if you can't attack, then you're really no good. You're you're half of what you're required. And what it's saying here is we need to be able to defend the gospel as well. So when people come to us and they question us, and they might question you about lifestyles, can you contend that? Yes, we can, because we rely on the Word of God and we know what it says. And my encouragement to you, if you're sitting Here today saying, I don't know what to say, and I don't know how to defend it. It's cool. It's no drama. It's no worries. Because we've got the word of God. We've got the wisdom of our saints and our oversight, and we can help you. But you do need to understand that the encouragement is for you to contend. So therefore, your desire needs to say, actually, my defense is a bit weak. My attack's good. I'm not bad with that, but defense, eh, not so good. That's cool. That's what the importance of the fellowship is, is that we can work together so we are great at attack and defense, is that we can look after each other and we can and we can help each other. Because, you know, sometimes, again, in my own life, I've thought, well, if I can't go in there and I can't I can't have the right thing to say, I've lost the battle. No, I don't probably sit next to that guy at work. I can go back the next day and start a conversation with him. I can go and talk to someone and say, hey, this dude was talking to me about this. Like, what was that all about? And then at times I've had those conversations where people have sat me down and gone, oh, Sash, you just need to read that chapter in context. And then it makes perfect Oh, that's that's perfect sense. Excellent. Thanks for that defensive tip. I'll go back. I know how to, how to get in there. And we have been asked to do that. That's part of it. It goes on and says, for there... In verse 4, for there are certain men crept and awares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is quite a theme of of most of the uh, epistles written to the church. And that is that you need to know how to defend the gospel because we will have people who will try and take it by force. They will try and change the way to get in. They will be violent and try and take things that aren't rightfully theirs and say, actually, there is another way to get in. And I'll show you that way. And it's funny here that he's saying you need to learn to contend with it because you have to defend it. And uh, that's what we need to do. Um, And it's saying there that, you know, they're turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness. Now, lasciviousness means perverted. They're perverting. God's righteousness his way and uh, it's yeah we don't want to be associated with those who pervert the easy way through Jesus Christ into the kingdom okay contending boom 1st Timothy 1st Timothy 6 and verse 12 Oh, this. Go. Let's just go back to um, just just around that contention, but. Six verse three. It says, "If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strifes of words, whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmising, perverse dis- disputings of men of corrupt minds, and destitute of the truth, supposing that gaineth godliness. From s- from such withdraw thyself." So again, it's being able to identify. Identify those who are saying the right things, and sometimes we've got to be careful that it's not us saying the wrong things to ourselves. We need a sense of reality. Sometimes it's also interesting here that it's talking here about gain, because one of the things that uh, I guess, as a fellowship, as as God's kingdom, as individuals, that we face what big battle is around covetousness. Wanting stuff more than you want to, than the things of God. If we know what our purpose is, and we know and, and we're fighting for the kingdom, it deserves all of our ability, all of our interest, all of our integrity. The world wants us to fight for other things, things that we can have, the comforts of life. It's a tough thing about the Western world. It's so comfortable. So easy just to go down the shop and get a bottle of milk and do whatever. You know, if you live in the Western world, you are in the top 2% of the world's wealth. Top 2%. That's unbelievable. And what that breeds is is complacency, we get comfortable, we think we know a few things about life, we think we're, we're pretty special. And so sometimes we can take those attitudes into handling the word of God and you see people do that. You see the great Western westernized church of, of churchianity, it's about prosperity. Oh, you want to see the blessing of the kingdom of God in your life? Then your life will be even more comfortable than it, than it is just from being born in the western world. But yet we just read before that the identifying marks of the kingdom of God is healings and provision and the truth. They're the things that we need to covet. It tells us to covet spiritual gifts, that we should want those things more than anything else. And it's really interesting how that's the that's the catalyst, that's the... Um, you know that's the rot that comes in and takes it away this this idea of wanting other things and then in verse 6 it says but godliness is is with contentment is great gain so if we're happy with the life that god has given us and the purpose we have now in preaching the gospel bonus territory everything else is a bonus because we're content with what god has given us we're not striving for anything else in our life and then paul just has a great way of putting it for you brought nothing into this world, and it is certain you can't carry anything out. And having food and raiment, let's be content. But they which, uh, they that will be rich, fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which, while some coveted after, They erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So Paul's here warning, saying this is not just a symptom of the world. It can creep in to the kingdom. And I guess if our hands are full with preaching the gospel, we won't have time for loving money. We won't have time for the comforts of life because our concern will be for the well-being of of God's people and his church and, and bringing people into it. Um, yeah interesting stuff in verse 12 um, Paul makes a statement here let's read it it says fight the good fight of faith if you're going to fight about something then fight the good fight of faith preach the gospel lay hold on eternal life If you put your life in the natural on hold because you want to take everything there is on offer from the Lord, you will want to share that with every single other living, breathing human being. Lay hold on eternal life. Think about that for a while. Fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on eternal life. Lay hold on it really grasp it grab it with two hands and go what is it that I have here in my hands this is so good I have to tell everyone about it and anyone that looks like they're about to drop it I've got to just help them and just steady them a bit so they don't drop it lay hold on it Whereunto you art also called and has professed a good profession before many witnesses Again, just reiterating what it means and what we're fighting for. We're here to talk about the things that God has done for us and that other people can lay hold on eternal life. They can have victory in their life. Um, yep. Cool. Do-be-do-be-do. Just a couple more. Um... First Corinthians 9, 1 Corinthians 9, verse 26, we know this one, it says, I therefore so run not as uncertainly, so fight I not as one that beats the air, we're not shadow boxing here, we know, we know what we're fighting for, but I will keep under my body and bring it into subjection lest that by any means when I've preached to others I myself should be a castaway. So it's talking about here about that notion of of you can't save anyone else if you're if you haven't got yourself sorted out. If you haven't got the life jacket on and you're sorted, there's no point swimming out to the drowning man. Get yourself sorted you'll be no use to them. And it's talking there about um, this particular example is talking about someone who might train themselves and particularly it, 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 in a race or or perhaps in a boxing fight or whatever, is that they have to condition their body for the fight They have to condition themselves for them and they have to they have to sacrifice some things they have to stop eating. Oh, I can't remember what to do. I'm just still trying to get my pre-workout snacks ordered moro bars and, and milkshakes isn't, isn't all that good to go into. Or coming out of a of a workout, so I'm still trying to work that out. But the guys that know what they're doing, you know, they, they know that you eat carbs before and then protein after. Is that right? I think it's right. That was pretty good. If only I knew what a carb or a protein was, that's awesome. <laughs> they should divvy up supermarkets, carbs, proteins, and so you know. I thought yeah, anyway. So you keep your body under subjection. So for us in spiritually speaking, is that we keep our life in check and there's a balance. And we realize, okay, what am I doing? What am I doing to make sure I'm ready to fight this fight for the gospel? Is my prayer life intact? Am I reading the word? Am I taking those opportunities? Am I fellowshipping? You know, it's funny because in Hebrews 13, I wasn't going to talk there. It talks about in the last days, the manner of some people will be not to get together as fellowship. That'll be their their thing. They're like, "Ah, nah, too busy." Nah that da Oh I'm just like What are you fighting for? Jesus Christ died for you that you might have a new life in him. I remember one time I wanted to play soccer on a Sunday. And I thought I was pretty justified because I was coming to the church since I was 10. So I'd racked up so much brownie points. Like I thought, man, one, one soccer game off, sweet ass. And I, fo- I felt completely justified. And I was going for a rep team. So I thought, I might re- realize my potential as a professional footballer. <laughs> like this is it. And someone came to me and they said, Sash, did football die for your sins? no and that was all they said and I thought okay I can't go (laughs) I need to be here to take communion Christ has commanded me to take that with my brothers and sisters and I want to go and kick a pig's bladder with air in it around and think I'm really awesome that didn't die for my sins I got to a stage where I started in the workforce and all of a sudden, they were like, Oh, Sasha, you're pretty good worker, pretty diligent. We need you to work on Sunday. And I thought, Yeah, I've got a whole lot of brownie points. I've been in the Lord even longer now. I've given a few talks, even. I've got brownie points. I just won't come. I'll go to work. It's only one off. And I had those words ringing in my ear Did my workplace die for my sins? <laughs> I went, man, these decisions are easy when you put it into the context of the gospel. <laughs> Sweet. Guess what I'm not doing on Sunday, boss? I'm not serving you. I'm serving the Lord. And now you can imagine when any I'm challenged with anything to do with the fellowship, I ask myself one question. Did that thing die for my sins? No, it didn't. Jesus Christ died for us to give us a new life. He's called us together to fight together. Why would I not want to be here with you, fellow soldiers? There is nothing more important, and that sometimes is fighting for the gospel, making those stands. Bring it. Okay, I don't. Know, not sure how I got there, but I did get there. Um, okay, I need to finish up. We'll go to Second Timothy to finish. You can read all of Paul's letters and he will just talk constantly about what he was fighting for. And nothing got in his way. Not a beating, not starvation, not lack of income, not a shipwreck, not a snake bite. And the biggest one of all, not having a wife. As I always say, he didn't have someone there to go, Oh, Paul, you were doing the right thing. You were such a good boy. Mwah. Here, have a milkshake. You know, never. He didn't have anyone say that to him. He had to dust himself off and went again. I think, man, he's a tough dude. Like, I think in my own life, I go home and my wife says, Oh, good boy, Sash, you did well. Have a milkshake. Let's, let, that's, that's brilliant. I don't know where I'd be without the without my wife. <laughs> <laughs> She does make good milkshake. Um, yeah, where did I go with that? But Paul, he writes about it. He's the man. I can't wait to meet him. It's going to be awesome. Uh, 2 Timothy in verse uh, chapter one in verse eight. It says, "Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord." Nor of me his prisoner, that be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. You know, for us today, let's not, let's not be ashamed. And look, at times I can put my hand on my heart and say, Yeah, I was ashamed. My school life, I'm pretty ashamed about that. I didn't stand up at all, really, for the gospel. I tried to kind of say, If I can find the deepest, darkest corner and no one asks me a question about my faith, whew, I might just get through this five years. And that was really the way that I played it. And it wasn't a good attitude. And I guess for us now, you know, it's for us to say, hey, in my workplace, wherever I find myself, let's not be ashamed and realize that the things that we, our mind goes through and the, those things that we think about that will stop us from actually saying something is the same things that happened to Paul and the other men of, and women of faith. It says in verse 9, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. The Lord has saved us to fight with him, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. He's called us to go out there and preach his gospel. That is what we're fighting for. That is what we're fighting for. We're fighting for the gospel out there and for the gospel in here. 2 Timothy and 4, just flip over the page. We'll finish here in verse 7 and 8. This is what I want on my finishing t shirt when the Lord returns. I wonder if you get a t shirt. You get a t shirt when you finish anything else in the world, don't you? You get a t shirt for finishing in race, dragon boat racing, or 5 or 10K or whatever. I want this on my t shirt. In verse 7, it says. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. I've been honorable to the Lord. I've preached his gospel. I've done my best. And then it says, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that, lost his, uh, that love his appearing. Isn't that really interesting? You can see what's on the heart of Paul there. He's saying, boy, I want this. Boy, I'm going to lay hold on this. But I really want my brothers and sisters to be there with me. And he's really saying to us, he's saying, I'm fighting for them and I'm fighting for us. And I guess I just want to leave that with us today. Is that we have an awesome fellowship that has a wonderful legacy starting at John the Baptist and Jesus Christ as we read today. And yes, there are those that will come against us and the kingdom will always suffer violence. But we will fight the good faith and we will put the gospel ahead of everything else in our lives. And we will hold each other and support each other so that we can further the gospel. What are we fighting for? We are fighting for the souls of men and women, including our own. Let that be on our hearts and minds, and let that us drive us in our walk in the Lord. And all the people said, amen.